0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Isn't it true that it's when we're
1: in those storms of life, those trials of life, those anguish, anguishing, painful, I mean painful, that's when God has our attention. That's when we're hypersensitive to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. That's when God has us all to himself and he can speak into our lives. Hey, J.D., there's something I want to show you.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. When things are going smoothly, we're not always willing to hear what should be different. We get comfortable and content to stay where we are. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that it's when we're on edge that we start paying attention. Sometimes it takes a trial in order for someone to pay heed to what God's trying to say. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Now, if I'm one of the disciples again, and this is a healthy thing to do, by the way, put yourself there. What would you do? And stop with this shedding yourself in a favorable light. I would have never doubted the Lord. Yes, you would have. (sighs) Yes, you would have. You know, when we get into the Old Testament, the Israelites are murmuring and complaining, I'd never do that. You'd be right at the front. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? You brought us out here to kill us? So why, pray tell, was Jesus wanting to immediately get them in the boat with such urgency? Because He was protecting them from a greater trial. See, if I'm one of the disciples, and I'm there, and I'm doing this, I'm thinking, oh. And they're looking at me like, wow. You're like, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Pretty cool, yeah? We've got an instant mega church. Jesus, why do you want to get us to the other side? We could start a church right here, Calvary Chapel of the Multitude Feeding, Uh, (laughs) first church, second church, whatever they call them. And That was the trial of pride that Jesus was wanting to protect them from. That was the greater trial. Sometimes God will send you into a trial to protect you from a greater trial. That's the urgency. Well, it certainly had a purpose with the Apostle Paul, of all people. (laughs) The Apostle Paul had actually given up all hope of surviving yet another perilous storm and imminent shipwreck. This was not Paul's first rodeo, so to speak. Here he is again. Let me set the stage. He's on this ship with other prisoners, and they're on their way to Rome where he is to stand trial before Caesar. And they, against Paul's advice, set sail, and they're coming into the hurricane season. And sure enough, a nor'easter hits, and they are throwing everything overboard. Uh, you'll forgive the graphic nature of it, but they're throwing up. They can't eat. They, that, that detail, not the throwing up part, but the not being able to eat part is in there. I mean, this ship is being tossed like a toothpick to and fro and it's fallen apart, and they're throwing everything overboard, and it's going on for days. And we pick it up in verse 20, Acts 27, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. Luke is writing. Luke is there. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Interesting. uh, We all finally, in other words, they had held on to hope, but then it just kept going and the storm continued raging and they finally said, this is it. This is how it ends. We have no hope of surviving this. And even the Apostle Paul gave up hope. We means we, all of us, Everyone on board had given up hope. Now, it's important to understand that Paul had already been shipwrecked three times before this storm, en route to stand trial before Caesar. And I point that out because in this storm, Paul had resigned himself to the reality that he's not going to make it. You ever felt like that? I'm not going to make it out of this one. This one's really bad. (laughs) This is how it ends. I mean God has pulled me through before, but this storm, there's no hope. But God. But God, as only He can, sends a reminder to Paul and it comes at night. And isn't it interesting that it's usually in those dark passages, those seasons in our lives, the night seasons in our lives. I'm convinced in my own life that the reason why God will speak to me in those night seasons is because that's when it's quieter in my life, and He's got my undivided attention. And the volume of my life is turned down. And I'll even take it a step further and venture to say that God, like with the disciples, will deem it fit sometimes to send us knowingly into the storm just for that reason alone. Because isn't it true that it's when we're in those storms of life, those trials of life, those anguish? anguishing, painful, I mean painful, that's when God has our attention. That's when we're hypersensitive to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. That's when God has us all to himself and he can speak into our lives. Hey, J.D., there's something I want to show you. I had to allow this so I could show you this, because had I not allowed this, you would have never seen this. Hey, JD, there's something I want to tell you. I want to speak to you, but I'm not going to clamor and compete with all the other voices in your life. So I had to allow this storm in your life so that it would be only me that you would hear. And when I speak, I speak in that still, small voice. It's a whisper. In the original language, it it carries, this is Elijah, by the way, it carries the idea of a still, small, refining voice where God just fine tunes. I mean, He gets right down to that deep recess in our hearts that only He knows. Only God can know. Only God could speak like that. And it's in those storms. And this is what he does for the Apostle Paul. Everybody on board had lost all hope. It's just a matter of time. So we pick it up in verse 23. After the Lord sends this angel to Paul, Paul stands up and he starts speaking to everyone on board. And this is what he says. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, I like that, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. Stop right there. Come on. This is Paul we're talking about. Fearless, unflinching fearlessness, the apostle Paul. He walked into a room. Everybody paid attention. That's Paul. Do you know who that is? That's the Apostle Paul. No way, way, whoa. He's afraid. Why would God send an angel to tell Paul, do not be afraid, if he wasn't afraid? I know that's deeply profound. And again, replete throughout Scripture, we find this time and time again. I think about Joshua. Man, the first chapter of Joshua. I mean, <laughs> be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Why would God say that to him? Because he was afraid. He was discouraged. He was terrified. I mean, I would be too. He has just succeeded Moses. There were some big sandals to fill right there. And he is taking them into the promised land. And he is so afraid. And God says, don't be afraid. Here's Paul, so afraid. And the Lord sends an angel and says, don't be afraid. Maybe that alone is a word for someone here today. Do not be afraid. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. (laughs) I am toast with a capital T and a capital toast too. I mean, (laughs) I am so riddled with fear and I'm so filled with anxiety. I am so afraid of what's going to happen. Well, don't be afraid. He tells Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar. And he's telling this to the men on board. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. That's all of you guys. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And you know what happened? It happened just as God said it would. Imagine that. Wow. God said it's going to happen this way, and it happened that way. Oh, by the way, uh, spoiler alert for those of you that are unfamiliar and have not seen how this movie ends. (laughs) Not a movie, it's a real account. But the ship did wreck, and they're hanging on to wood to float ashore, because they didn't know that on the itinerary God had a stop for them. It's been said that God directs our steps, but sometimes He directs our stops too. What do you mean? Oh, there was this island. It wasn't the island of Oahu. It was the (laughs) island of Malta. And apparently God loved the locals, the islanders there, because that's where they end up. And would you believe that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ when that ship? I would also suggest, by the way, that those men on board, if I'm one of those guys on board, I'm getting saved right there. When Paul gets, he had me at, we're all going to live. What must I do to be saved? (laughs) <laughs> the God whom you serve, where do I sign? I'm getting saved right there. And then they <laughs> end up on this island and the islanders get saved. It is, I, this is a, I wish there were a better word. This is a fabulous account. I, I wish someone would make a movie, I mean a real movie, Not this rubbish that we, you know, are subjected to. This is not based on a true story. This is a true story. I would have loved to have seen this. They all get saved. He ends up exactly as God said. He ends up in Rome. He always wanted to go to Rome, by the way but instead of an all-expense-paid cruise ship, it was a prisoner ship that got him there, and God had a couple stops on the way, and, because God had a plan through this perilous storm. And the Apostle Paul, of all people, he, he had already had this promise, by the way. He had forgotten it. And, and the reason I point that out is because we are so prone to forget the promises of God. See God had already told him you're going to stand trial before Caesar. And so here he is in the ship and maybe he's thinking, well, either God forgot about that promise and I'm not going to stand trial before Caesar or something happened and God's in heaven going, "They shipwrecked? Where where Malta went? When did No, this was all part of God's plan." In other words, sometimes God will get us where he wants us, but he won't get us where he wants us the way we want him to get us where he wants us. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? That's not what I had in mind, God. I I wasn't thinking the whole shipwreck thing, prisoner, you know, Malta, snake bite. A viper fastens itself to his arm. And what does he do? Shakes it off. And here's the islanders going, he's a god. They start worshiping him. He's like, stop. How many times have they seen those snakes kill people and nothing happens to Paul? Why? Because he has to get to Rome. (laughs) He has an appointment to stand trial before Caesar. Why does he have an appointment to stand trial before Caesar? Because God loves the household of Caesar and they're going to get saved. Oh, really? Yeah. I think of any jailer that was chained to Paul as a prisoner. I mean, they're getting saved. You talk about a captive audience. What's my schedule today, guys? Oh, you got this guy, Paul. He's in cell number 42, because they chained them, you know, to the prisoners. Here's Paul going, what's your name? Let me get to the point and bring it to a close. God has a purpose. He's not forgotten you. Do not lose hope. Oh, if you only knew what He has for you. It's what you could have never thought of, never imagined in your wildest imagination. And and it's not like God can let you in on it, because then you wouldn't be walking by faith. It would be sight. No need for faith, because I see. So it would defeat the whole purpose. God just wants you to trust Him. And I mean, I just picture Him wanting to say, hey, I just want to give Him kind of a hint. But no, I can't. He needs to trust me. Yeah, but He's given up hope. Ah, he will see. he will see what I'm going to do. Oh, I'm going to see him through. But I'm going to do it in a big way, because I'm a big God. Whatever that trial is, whatever that storm is, I want to assure you and testify to you, because I can, by the way, that God will see you through. You be encouraged. God will never forget you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you, because God loves you. He likes you too. <laughs> Imagine that. And here's the thing, and you'll forgive the crass way of saying it, but did you ever think of it like this? He has a lot invested in you. The Holy Spirit indwells you as the down payment, by the way that's sealing you for your day of redemption. He's got an investment in you. You think he's going to let go of you? Let you sink? Let you drown? No. He's the anchor of hope for your soul, the lover of your soul, who knows, sees, and truly cares about everything you're going through and will absolutely see you through. You just wait, you'll see. You know, as parents, when your kids were young, you would always just tell them, just wait, you'll see. And they don't want to wait. Of course, adults don't want to (laughs) wait. I want to see. Well, just wait. See, we always say, well, God's never late. His timing is always perfect. But have you ever thought of it like that God is never early either? And the truth of the matter is we don't want him to be early because if he was early, it could thwart us of that which he wants to do in us and even through us. But we impatiently want him to get us out of that storm. And God said, I'm not going to get you out of the storm. I'm going to get you through it. And by the way, if you only knew the reasons why you wouldn't want me to get you out of that storm, because of what I'm going to do in and through that storm. One last thing, just maybe this is another word for someone here today. You're in the midst of a perilous storm, and it is terrifying, and rightfully so. The uncertainty, the Fear, the anxiety, I mean, those are very real, and for good reason. I want to encourage you with this truth, and I speak it on the authority of God's word, but I also speak it personally in my own experience in walking with the Lord. No matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God is. God will have the final word as dark as it seems, as bleak as it seems, as scary as it is, God will see you through. And when you're on the other side of this thing, looking back on it, you're going to be like, that was amazing. It's like God's going, I know I'm amazing. My grace is amazing. That was awesome. I know. I'm, a, I'm awesome. I'm in awe of you, Lord. That's the whole point. I cannot believe that you did that. You can't. Well, I did it. You see it now. Yeah, I see it now. I wish I would have seen it then through the eyes of faith. Because had I known this, had I been assured of this, I wouldn't have freaked out as much when I was going through this. <laughs> I wouldn't have fought you and feared and struggled and wrestled and stayed up all those nights tossing and turning had I but known. It's like the Lord saying I tried to tell you but you wouldn't believe me. Now we say seeing is believing. It's really the other way around. Believing is seeing. Man my heart really goes out to anyone that's struggling and I know many are. We get Many people that email us and contact us and ask for prayer, they're just going through some very, I mean, serious, just serious things. And Many are losing everything, and they're very downcast and discouraged, and i got to believe that's representative of the church locally here. And I just want you to know God loves you so much. And just wait. You'll see what He's going to do. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, thank You. Lord, that hope, You're our hope. You're our only hope. And so Lord, I pray for anyone who has been losing hope and That hopelessness is giving way to despair. Lord, I pray that you would baptize them afresh in the Holy Spirit. Fill them anew. Reveal yourself to them in a miraculous way as only you can. And remind them that you will see them through no matter what. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that hope. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to CalvaryChapelKaniohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaniohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaniohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.